You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. He usually joins us on Tuesdays, but he'll be traveling a bit tomorrow, and he's covering the Spurs game in San Antonio tonight. Tony Parker's homecoming, a nice storyline to finish up this road trip that has been anything but nice to the Charlotte Hornets. It's Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks as always. How is San Antonio treating you? Hey, it's great. I'm guessing this is the first time that a Whole Foods in suburban San Antonio <laughs> has served as the uh, venue for an interview. But yeah, that's cool. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I will absolutely take that. We appreciate you finding the time and going to Whole Foods. It's perfect for us. And, and Rick, just in, speaking of all the places that you'll see in, in just your travels being an NBA beat writer, what are some of the favorite cities that you do travel to? I adore Portland. Um, I really like San Antonio the same way. Those are two places I never, ever would have traveled to if I hadn't covered the NBA. Um, Portland is a fantastic city. My, my son actually moved out to Oregon a couple of years ago to work for the, for, um, the athletic department at, at, at Oregon and Eugene. And he saw exactly what I, um, what, what I did about, about the state of Oregon. It's incredibly clean it's incredibly picturesque. It is what everybody thinks Seattle is, but Seattle's been so overrun by population that it can't be. In that way, um, it's it's there. There's just it, it's it's a hidden gem. Unfortunately, it's being discovered by a lot of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> and San Antonio is where you're at now, and I've only heard good things about San Antonio. And of course, they love their Tony Parker down there, Rick. And of course, this will be the homecoming tonight for Tony Parker after winning multiple championships down there and playing. Uh, with a different team for the first time in his career this season with us, the Charlotte Hornets, and we desperately need him. But, Rick, how has the reception been for Tony since he's been in the city, and what do you expect here tonight? Um, Nick Batum, who obviously from their French upbringing, um, knows him as well as anybody in the Hornets organization. I I got Nick aside uh, about an hour ago at shoot-around, and he said, you know, I'm just not used to Tony being nervous, and you can tell that tonight has him really nervous. And that makes sense because it's not just that he's coming back here for the first time. It's that a guy who was part of five title teams was coming back here for the first time. I asked Nick, I said, what was it like for you when you went back to Portland? And he said it was a big deal. And it was also one hundredth of what this must be like for him. Well, and Rick, Nick broke the story, right? Like Nick, yeah. Nick Nick is the one that actually broke this story. And their relationship is one of the reasons maybe that Tony Parker decided to come here to Charlotte. It was, um, yeah, that was another interesting thing that Nick told me shoot around was that um, he said that he was always a little bit incredulous about whether this was actually going to happen as hard as he lobbied Tony <laughs> to make it happen. And that on July 5th, he gets this text from Tony who says, go break the news. And Nick said, what? <laughs> and, and he said, I'm a Hornet. And, and Nick said to him, don't do this to me. You know, don't make me look like an idiot on Twitter <laughs> and then say, oops, he changed his mind. And Tony said, I'm not changing my mind. Do it. 
Rick, is this a, a unique event for you covering this Tony Parker event? Given the stature of Tony Parker and his homecoming, is there anything else you can compare this to that you've covered with the Charlotte Hornets in the past? Well, you know what's interesting about this is usually these things are the are the after effect of something not ending well. Right. Um, what I, what I mean by it is, you know, obviously the first time that, for instance, Alonzo Mourning came back to Charlotte. It was the diametric opposite of this. And just to use this sort of Spurs-centric theme to your question, um, a week ago, Cowie Leonard came back here for the first time. And I assure you that the reception to Cowie Leonard is dramatically different than it will be to Tony Parker tonight. They they hate Cowie's guts down here. <laughs> and, and Tony is seen much more as the, we got the best of you. We certainly appreciate you had a chance to really, you know, do something good in Charlotte if you wanted to keep playing. And, you know, I think I don't mean that James Borrego is a, is a big deal down in San Antonio, but I think the fact that this all makes sense to Spurs fans, as far as Tony being, you know, helping one of pops longtime assistants establish a, a program in Charlotte. So there is nothing but good feeling down here about this. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, the road trip is going exactly how I think most people thought it would, especially after that Dallas game. They're one and four on this trip, and in all likelihood, they'll be one and five if they keep playing the way they are against San Antonio tonight. Has the defensive end been the biggest reason that they're dropping all of these games? Absolutely. Um, you know, Walker, you know that I'm a fan of James Borrego. I like his unconventional view of, of things. I like the fact that he is not afraid to be improvisational and experimental. I like people, honestly, who think out of the box. The one thing that he has said over the last few months that not only made me scratch my head, but, you know, really made me a little bit uncomfortable, frankly, is that he didn't think the defense was all that bad. And I always thought that, that there were a lot of compromises made to their, to their defensive efficiency night in and night out in order to, to find ways to help them score. I, I always thought that, that was going to catch up to them much more on the road than it does at home. And the last two weeks really demonstrate that this team, I, you know, has some serious problems defensively and they got to do something about that. Rick, we put forth the scenario maybe a couple of interviews ago about committing to playing the young guys more because of the season just going completely and utterly south. If they go one and five on this trip and then they have a couple of games after that, just Rick, what, what do you envision? What is the example of completely south or close to rock bottom for you? It's a long way away from now. I mean, I think that there's still no worse than um, 50-50 to make playoffs. And I think as long as they're playoff viable, I don't think they should be doing anything to uh, to launch the trap door up from underneath the floor. Um, so I think that we're talking about, I think we're talking about 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 three three awful weeks before you would even consider doing that. Um, I think you owe it to Borrego at this point, since you did set him up with. Um, he was told by upper management, your job is to win as many games as possible and get into the playoffs. Now. If circumstances change, I'm sure that JB will change, adapt, and change with them. But I don't think we're anywhere close to that. Rick, you mentioned earlier about the defense being such an issue. Um, are, is the team basically just switching entirely too much for you or for your tastes? Actually, not a, that, that changed a little bit about a month ago. Um, 
he was, and again, this really does go to the experimental way that JB looks at things. Um, he started out in Chapel Hill asking everybody to switch just because he wanted to get them away from their comfort zone and test who could and who couldn't. Uh, about three weeks ago, I said, you know, the switches don't seem as haphazard as they were. And he said, that is very true. And it's by a plan. Um, there are only five, you know, there are only like four people now who are asked to and allowed to switch on a regular basis. And they're the people who before the, you know, before training camp ever started, you knew would be the people um, who would logically be asked to do that. It's Marvin, it's MKG, it's Batum, it's Bridges. Um, I'm not saying that there are no other switches, but I'm saying that if you, if you actually um, charted the amount of tie amount of switches that are made and more specifically who is switching it's very different rick we've seen them struggle without cody zeller on the floor before and we can go back oh God, to a couple yes. of years ago and we all shared that stat a billion times about their record without cody zeller on the floor how much of a difference would cody zeller make at all in the recent struggles that they've had um it might only make a difference of one victory in this game i mean in this this trip but I'm confident that they would look better over the last 10 days if Cody was here for many different reasons, including that a lot of the best things that Cody does, and that's centered around really precise, well-timed um, screens, they make life easier for other people. They don't show up on his box score. Um, and the other thing, honestly, and I'd be curious what you two think about this is, I think it's it's not just about Cody's absence. It's about the about it's about you know they have three other centers and none of them have given um, us a reason to think that they're clearly the second best option. Um, there are three different guys who all belong in the NBA, but there are three different guys with three different skill sets. But if you place them on the grand scale of every player in the NBA, they're all basically the same guy in terms of value. Well, Rick, one more question. I know that Borrego has brought up lack of competitiveness. Is it starting to sound like Groundhog Day all over again? <laughs> yeah, and and you know something, Nada, you may have seen what I what I tweeted the other morning um, after the after the game in Portland. If you haven't played in three three days, and you show up and you get drilled from the very start of that game, you know it wasn't just that that game got out of control in the second half. That game was over very, very early by a very decisive margin. When the coach says after that game that he doesn't like what he that he didn't like what he saw in regard to competitive spirit as far as being ready to play, I think that's tr I think that that's very troubling. Um, you know, when I when I tweeted out that a coach shouldn't have to say that, um, I didn't mean that it was inappropriate for JB to articulate that. I'm saying that that is something that a coach should not have to worry about i remember years ago larry brown um when he was coaching at kansas before he went back to the pros he used to tell recruits parents i am not responsible for your kid competing i can do a lot i can teach him how to be a better basketball player i can teach him how to maximize his ability but competitive fire comes from within it isn't something a coach can inflict on on a kid either he has it or he doesn't and they need to be better competitors than they are. And I don't know that, you know, there's anything um, that the coaching staff or management can do about that unless it takes 
getting some other players. All right, it's Rick Minnell calling an audible from San Antonio and a Whole Foods, no less, on a Monday. Again, catch him on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks as always for the time. Always appreciate it. Absolutely, fellas. Have a great day. All right, you too, Rick. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We appreciate Rick Bennell again for joining us today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick Bennell discussing some of the woes of the road trip. Nada, we all knew this was coming. Yeah, the de- the defense. He was looking forward to talking about that defense. He though. was. The, the defense has been atrocious. I yeah. think that's been the number one thing that you've taken away from this team. Even with them only allowing 104 points to the Sacramento Kings, usually I think you would take that. But, one, they failed to score 100 points in the last two outings. And in the other previous outings, they have been allowing 30-point quarters at exactly. a high frequency. You go to Portland, all but one of those quarters did they allow less than 30, did they allow, excuse me, more than 30 points. It's been ridiculous on that side of the floor. And I think Cody Zeller, it does make a difference. You you heard Rick say there, probably only the difference in maybe one victory on this road trip. Maybe. And maybe you're talking about Sacramento, just because it's the closest in margin. I don't know. But I think there is no doubt about it. Bismack Biombo, it's a guy Mm -hmm. that struggles. No, Billy Hernan Gomez, we've talked about it a million times. I mean, his defense is just about as awful as anybody on the team. And there's some guys that don't play defense very well. Yes. Malik has made strides, I think. And by strides, maybe strides is too... He at least competes. Right, like at least you, you do see an enhanced effort from him. You do see maybe some things that he's starting to grasp onto, but it certainly doesn't mean that he is a plus defender by any means out there on the court. Oh, this is a team that's just flat out bad at defense and not at the beginning of the season. You know, when they, let's say, you know, 20 games under their belt, Mm -hmm. they were ranked, what was it, 15th in defensive efficiency in the NBA? That has dropped all the way to 20 and not all that long of a length of time. And so you've seen them struggle mightily here as the season has gone on, and they've dropped a lot of games because of it. The film's caught up to them, quite honestly. That was the thing. Me and you were both here saying, yo, this is smoke and mirrors. This defense is smoke and mirrors. And at this point, the rest of the league has figured out, hey, this really is just smoke and mirrors. We don't really have to defend like that. We don't have to go hard like that. And you know what? Like, that's, I mean... These guys were not good defenders last year. I don't know why we expected them to be world beaters and defenders this year. This was a roster problem. This is a competitive issue. Another thing Rick did bring up is just the lack of competitive spirit and the fact that we're going through this same thing with a different coach and basically the same guys. That's a problem, and that's on the front office at the same time. Well, it's frustrating because you've seen this the past two seasons not being competitive in some instances and not being good at defense 
you know, Steve Clifford had them playing better defense than this when you watched it. Yes. And they weren't, at least from what you saw, they weren't giving up 120-point games on the regular. They weren't giving up 30-point quarters, at least not that I can remember, on the regular. And James Borrego, at the beginning of the season, he preached that this team is going to play defense. If nothing else, we are going to play defense. That is our first and foremost thing that we have to do this season if we're going to win basketball games. And one, they're not winning basketball games anymore. You know, the whole, the uncanny ability to remain 500 through thick and thin through whatever circumstances come your way that is gone now I mean now they're 19 and 23 they can't get back to 500 unless they win four more games at this point and there may only be two more wins in this month well you look at the Suns coming to town at the Spectrum Center and as I pull up the schedule I know Sacramento comes after that it's a winnable game but Sacramento is sitting at 500 in the Western Conference so Sacramento let let, let me kill that right now let me kill that right now (laughs) the Sacramento Kings game that I saw on Saturday night that I ruined not going out and hanging out with my friend for her birthday (laughs) that game that I watched that showed me that the Sacramento Kings have a whole bunch of questions the Hornets don't have answers for. And you're not going to get that time back either. You could have gone out. You could have had fun. You yes. could have actually had fun with your friend on her birthday. And instead, you had to watch that game against the Sacramento Kings, which they did hang tight for the most part. And defensively, they only allowed 104 points, but then they scored 97. No, Nobody was scoring besides Kimba Walker, and even he wasn't exactly the most efficient. So you're looking at New York on January 28th is the next one. And that's a at. maybe, yeah, considering well, what happened last time. Considering the Hornets are never one team that you can take to the bank. No, no, you don't trust this team. Again, you try. That's a little kid in the candy store. That's what the Hornets are. You want to trust them not to touch the everlasting gobstoppers. What do they do? (laughs) Hands in your pockets. Yeah, exactly. Hands in your pockets. You do not trust this team. You do not trust this team. There's two more wins, maybe. And then it goes into that nice little three-week thing that Rick brought up also because we're three weeks away from rock bottom, and it may be coming fast. You know, I remember last year we had discussed so much that the Hornets just need to get to the All-Star break, and after the All-Star break, they're going to be better because Kimba needs a rest. This team, they need a rest desperately. Miles is one of those guys that needs it too. Well, and maybe now. I It just it didn't come to fruition last season. So it just it's funny how we held on to that particular excuse last season this year we're not even discussing that because it's all about the defensive effort the lack of competitive spirit that we've heard more than a handful of times from James Borrego Can't already blame the coach now no it's look I mean there's some blame that needs to come Borrego's way as far as the rotations I mean you just heard Rick say he disagreed with some yeah. of the things that James Borrego had said you know and it's just look at what these coaches have had to deal with now on the roster you know we, we've talked about it it's giving a lot of money to a lot of these players. It's just too much. And now the Hornets kind of have their hands tied behind their back in some regards because these are the players that you have to deal with that no other teams really want those contracts on their payroll. And so now you have to try to figure it out. They're better than this. Like uh, we, we can agree to that, that they, this is a team that should be better than, you, know, you can't lose to Portland like that. Like if you lost to Portland on the road, then fine. 127 to 96 with that game being over in the second quarter. Hey, that's that's inexcusable. For that's the inexcusable, but at the same time, it's, it's this team's mentality. They are who they are. As I'd like to, and as far as the Hornets cap situation, as it was said in, I forgot which one it was. It's PSA by Jay Z. The, the, <laughs> my man, dude, my dude, Strick told me finish your breakfast. You got to finish your breakfast at some point. And unfortunately, breakfast is not finished. You still have a lot of guys that owe a lot of money to. Now, if you can get through this year, it gets a lot easier. It's just going to take a while, though. And we talked about this, I think, last episode. 
I mean, it's the lack of competitive spirit, Nada. I mean, you're not talking about Kimba, right? I mean, you're not. There, there's a select few players that you can certainly rule out. Like, you're not talking about Marvin. I don't think hey. lack of competitive spirit. You're talking lack about Marvin Williams. At this point. Uh, you got a lot. You got a, like, a lot of guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are certain times where I see maybe Marvin get frustrated with some of the teammates. Yeah, he'll yeah. he'll shake his head. But you know, I, I just think Nick Batum has been particularly lazy at certain times over the course. I think yeah. Malik Monk is a guy that you've questioned it before. I, I don't know how much of that is just being a young it's, player. It's tied to playing time for him now, so that he can't loaf. Well, yeah, and and so you've seen him at least maybe a little bit of an uptick. But this Hornets team. Needs to figure out something, and, and I don't. It's it's not like anybody has any kind of confidence that they will. You know, they. You look at Portland. You know that that's a game that they were just. It's just comical how bad they are on defense. Again, 127 points to Portland. You know, Sacramento. There were certainly some lapses there, mm-hmm. and and it's just a team. They, they just weren't able to hit a whole lot of buckets in this game too, and that really hurt them. But you look at outside of Kimball Walker, you know, Nick Batum, again, the aggressiveness, it's just not there. I mean, you go four of six, you do hit three three-pointers, which is fine, but you still don't see him involved a ton. MKG actually shot 50%, did hit one three, which has actually been somewhat of a surprise this season. You know, MKG has hit a handful of threes that he's taken. So I, I think congratulations on that front. I don't think anybody saw that day coming, but still it, it doesn't come at the expense of a victory. No, it doesn't. And at this point, this team, is just a very flawed roster and you just hope to be the least flawed when it comes to the all-star break because if this thing goes south and it's looking like it's headed that way by the time we get to the all-star break this may look completely different this entire roster might look completely different can you imagine even as well like if they lost to the suns and that was a very real possibility of happening you know they didn't have denver or they didn't have a devin booker for the second half no that was absolutely possible and that took what 18 points in the fourth quarter from kemba to, to win that one right right and like, only a six point margin of victory because of an unnecessary yeah hail mary from the half court line I i'm mean, still it mad about three. that though <laughs> because it, it took away a close win yes at this point they don't deserve it no, they deserve it. Uh, no, at this point, that game, at this Run point, I think... their coins, Walker. I think we're all angry enough to say they don't deserve any kind of positive connotation in that stat alone. And we've seen it for a couple of, uh, certainly, more than a couple of games now. We're giving you Daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month, just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that is patreon.com slash LOH. We'll finish it up here on a Monday on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says, On contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You heard Rick Bennell with us. Last question, I believe one of the last questions that we had with that interview was just the overall impact of Cody Zeller and his absence. And we, again, discussed that a couple of years ago about 
how much his absence really affected that basketball team. And eventually the reason that they would not make the playoffs, certainly one of them, they just couldn't do it. So now you're without Cody Zeller again. You're going to be out with him for a couple of more Probably weeks. past All-Star. Yeah, right. I mean, it'll be a little bit before Cody Zeller can even come back to the Charlotte Hornets team. And it's left you with a couple of big men, three big men that you are that you have to use now because you can't go small the entire time and there's no. just no other talented enough big men that you feel comfortable out there. So it's Bismack Biombo, mm-hmm. it's Billy Hernan Gomez, mm-hmm. and it's Frank Kaminsky. And it's really not even Frank Kaminsky because he's only played one game in the last five that they've played. That was the Portland game, right? And they were both garbage time. Right. He played against Dallas. He played 16 minutes. Garbage time. Played against Orlando. Garbage time. And played against Portland. On Friday, garbage time. So Frank Kaminsky, he is back out of the rotation. He showed you a little bit that he was back in the rotation to some degree, and now he is completely out of it, and he hasn't sniffed it in meaningful minutes in quite so time. So Frank in quite some time. So Frank Kaminsky's out. Yeah. So now you're dealing with Billy, and you're dealing with Bismack Biombo. Yeah. And not a Bismack Biombo, I think stepped up a little bit in that Denver Nuggets game. Like there and were the some Phoenix game. Yeah, there there were some good moments from him, but it's not a guy that you can depend on through long stretches at a time. And Billy Hernan Gomez, we all know about his defense. Oh, La Puerta Batiente. Is that, you remembered it this time. Yes, yes, I did. Yes. What is that for? What is that Spanish That for? is the open fence. That's fine with me. That's exactly what he is. You open up the gate, and, and here's the paint. You can dribble right on down and score a nice little layup for yourself. That's what Billy Hernan Gomez, he likes to shout. That's his motto. So now you've seen both of these guys you know, try to cover the absence of Cody Zeller, and they're just unable to do it. And I don't know how exactly that you ever can, especially if you're not going to make any trades and you're going to go all in on this roster. I just, again, it goes back to what we said before. you got to finish your breakfast on this one. And unfortunately, Biz has been the best of a whole bad batch of characters. Like, if we're talking kitchen items and finishing your breakfast, like, Biz (laughs) is like that, like, Five or six day old milk that's probably a little bit past. There may be a, maybe a chunk or two of in the milk oh, or anything. Sick. But again, it's good enough for you to eat your cereal, fish the chunk out, and, and, and still finish your cereal. Billy is just like we talk about no hustle and rewarding <laughs> guys that just do not hustle on the defensive end. What breakfast food is he? Uh, he he's he's a rotten sausage. He's a you can't eat it like you can't eat it at all. Like he still has to be something you can eat because there there's like there's has to be some kind of flavor. I'm going to Friday for some reason. I feel like Billy Hernan Gomez is the cereal with water. You just put some water on it. No 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 no. Because that that's the only way that's that at he, least edible. That because we're gonna have to eat it. Like Billy Billy's defense isn't edible, but offensively he can show you some things. Offensively like, he's just as like shoddy. He's just as streaky. That's all right. Put some water on it. It won't hurt nothing, except the fact that she was lying. It does hurt. Oh, you, it hurts. You a don't want to. You don't want to eat cereal with water. We, no. we need some damn milk. We need Cody back. No, exactly. And let's not even get into like Frank Kaminsky, who might be the like Dollar General version of Kool Aid. <laughs> it's well, no sugar in it, right? No sugar. There's, there's zero sugar. No sugar. Like you don't even bother to put Splenda in that Kool Aid. No, it's, it's just the flavoring, and that's it. And if you mess around and leave it in the in the bin too long, it ends up staining your bin. Like, it stains your pitcher. Looking at Tony Parker going to San Antonio tonight, should be fun to see Tony and the reception that he's going to have in San Antonio. Not exactly anything heart and touchy-feely for a heartful 
for us because we're the Charlotte Hornets and we're yeah. glad that he's with us, but it will be kind of cool to see him go back to San Antonio and a good reception, I would imagine. And also, again, just looking at that backup point guard spot, not a real quick, just checking in on Devontae Graham once again. He is continuing to play. He is continuing to be in the rotation and doing some nice things here and there. I think you have to be, again, you still have to be pleased with Devontae as a second-round pick getting this kind of run. You absolutely have to. Like, the step back he hit, the step back nice. three he hit, dude, that was nice. That was glorious. That was more than I expected he <laughs> was going to be able to do this year. And quite frankly, this guy is going to end up being a starter somewhere. Well, and and you look at Devontae Graham, just his overall contributions, you know, it's somebody that is different than Tony because yes. Devontae is just a better three-point shooter. You know, better and, ball handler at yeah, this point. I, I think they're, yeah, I, I think that they're, is, he's stronger as well. You know, Tony is just crafty, finds a way to get in the paint, and he'll flip it up over his head, and he'll make a pretty ridiculous shot, and he does that constantly. He also likes to get to his elbows. He'll shoot it from 17 to 18 feet out, and he's going to feel comfortable, and you feel comfortable with him taking that shot. But Devontae does give you a different look in stretching the floor maybe a little bit more because you have to worry about his three-point shooting a little bit more than what you do with Tony. Not shooting well overall from the field at just 38% if you round it up. But if you look at his three-point percentage, he excuse me, he's shooting almost 40% if you round it up. But three-point percentage shooting at 37. And that's yeah. certainly something better than what Tony Parker is able to give you. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that his, and his shot was probably one of the biggest concerns we, me and you both had coming into the summer. So for him to shoot 37% from his rookie rookie season, I guess, again, if we're going to talk about food comps and stuff like that right now, <laughs> like he's turkey bacon. He's not the ideal bacon, not just yet. He's not Dwayne Bacon either, but he's turkey bacon. Turkey he's, bacon is better than what Dwayne Bacon is, right? Like Dwayne, Very much so. Yeah, right yeah. We, we want the turkey bacon more than we want Dwayne Bacon. I feel like Devontae Graham is that new food that you're trying. And he's maybe, quinoa. Yeah, maybe that's right. Like maybe he's that new food that you're trying and it's actually, you know what, this is pretty good. You know, maybe you put some seasoning on it. Maybe you start to do a little of this, a little of that, cook it different ways. This could be a really good breakfast item for you. I feel like that's what Devontae Graham is. He absolutely is. All right, we'll take a end to this show. We appreciate you joining us here on this Lockdown Hornets podcast podcast here with us from the Locked On Hornets podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you on a Tuesday to recap the San Antonio Spurs and Charlotte Hornets game.